Hello, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Sister Circle Conversation. We have with us, again, our guest, Joy D. Calloway. We have the Fishers with us, Sonia and Kevin Fisher, and a special treat. Sonia Jackson Miles from the Sister Accord. And guys, we just gonna kick back and talk a little bit. We had so much to unpack. So Joy, tell us about the statistics, those statistics around black women and getting the help that they need around this important conversation on mental illness. You know, there are so many statistics around this. The one that sticks out to me is that black women are half as likely to go seek out mental and emotional wellness services uh, than their white women counterparts. And there's something wrong with that. I know we have a long history of, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. We don't air dirty laundry. You don't let people know you crazy and then you're gonna have issues. And I get all that. I honor our history, I honor our traditions. What I also know is that there is help available to us that we don't access. And when we don't access that help, we don't get the help we need, we are suffering needlessly. Um, and we are not able to offer the best of ourselves. I talk a lot with women about offering your most excellent self to the community, to your families, to your partners, to your children, your sorrows, all of that. Uh, if we are not whole, we are not healthy, we can't do that. And so that is the one of all the statistics out there is that one that gets me. The other one, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to do the actual stat, but let me give you the concept. The other piece is, and we, we talked in the earlier chat about um, suicide, suicidal ideation, um, and, you know, Black folks, oh, we don't do that. We don't do, we know that's not true. That's the right. other thing that I remind people is that Black women are really good at suicide on a layaway thing. Hmm. We're really good at eating ourselves to death drinking ourselves to death, hooking up with the wrong partners to death, drugging wow. ourselves to death. All of that is, is suicide on the layaway plan. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I call people's attention to that because we're the first time, but we're doing it. We're doing it we're every doing, day. We're doing it every day. It's a choice we're making every day because the pain is too great. When my mother died, I drank a bottle of wine every night for a month because that's, that's the only way I could sleep. Suicide on a layaway plan. I had to get help. I had to get out of that. Yes. Right? And I don't, and I tell people that, like, oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Because life happens to all of us. I, don't care. I can tell you I'm fabulous all day long, and tomorrow something crazy is going to happen. Doesn't mean I'm still not fabulous, but it has changed the trajectory of my fabulosity on that day. And so I've got to do something, either use the tool. I can command in my own toolkit or go to a NAMI or to my therapist or someone to get the help that I need. And I wanted to amplify something Kevin said in the earlier segment. He talked about his work with faith leaders, as, as I do as well, um, because we are black church folks. We are, and I'm one of them, so I can talk about them. We're good for saying, oh, just pray. Get on your knees and pray. If your relationship was right, you don't need Listen, Kevin's story about who you want who you want me to call when you fall out with a heart attack. It should be the absolute same. I have a t-shirt that I wear proudly. It says I talk to Jesus and my therapist. And I wear it proudly because those two are not mutually exclusive. That's right. That's right. I, Sonia Jackson Miles, I know you have a comment around this. 
Oh my gosh, this is like, I could literally sit here and talk about this all day because we are not paying attention holistically to our bodies and our lives. We got to get the mental piece right. We got to get the emotional piece right. We got to get the physical piece right. You can't fight social justice issues. You can't fight anything if you're not well. So how do we make sure that we are lining up and saying, these are the things that we must talk about. And I was talking to uh, some folks this week and I said, you know, back in the day, Commodore's, what was it? Brick House, 34, mm-hmm. 36, 24, 36. Those numbers. What about your A1C? What about your blood pressure? Do you know your blood type? Do you know? So there's some other numbers that we need to be real, real keen on understanding about our bodies. And so that mental health piece is a big part of what we focus on in the sister accord family, because so many people right now are just struggling in this area. And there is no need for them to struggle when there are all these resources, when we can help each other to go to that next level of excellence. And so that's exactly what we're focusing on as well. Kevin, with NAMI, during the last nine and a half, 10 months, have you seen an increase in services? What are you seeing in Michigan? Significant increase in need for services, not only Michigan, across the country. Uh, The calls into our local, state, and even national helplines have increased by over 80%. Um, Teletherapy has significantly risen. And and quite frankly, um, I'm pleasantly surprised that teletherapy uh, has been so well received and, and embraced by both providers and people who receive services. We weren't really sure in a number. One of the blessings of working with NAMI is I can't, I'm in touch with almost every behavioral health care provider in the state. And so whether some of them are in individual practices or providers, one way or another, I get connected. And I'm hearing the same message. People have been more receptive and more compliant or participating more in their treatment plan with teletherapy than ever before. Um, people who uh, who've suffered from hoarding and things like that, who you couldn't get to come to uh, their appointments on time, they are participating at a much higher level. It's not a silver bullet. It doesn't work for everybody, but we're really pleasantly um, surprised by that compliance um, and, and, and that people are, are, are doing better at taking care of themselves. Um, two wins here, and I think Joy hit on it earlier. Um, because of the pandemic, you know, there's silver linings in everything. And, and this pandemic has been horrible. But to me, one of the silver linings has been people are being forced to pay better attention to their behavioral health. Um, not just people who live with mental health diagnosis, but for those of us who think we're normal because of the depression and anxiety that comes with social distancing, um, being out of work because of shutdowns, um, not being, you know, worrying about whether uh, not I can pay my bills, uh, go to work, homeschooling. All of that has forced us to take a look at our behavioral health, especially women, because at the end of the day, fair or not, Women are the backbone uh, of our society. And so when it comes to homeschooling, most dads are deferring to mom. And mom may still be working and trying to homeschool and doing all that other stuff. So there is a bit of a silver lining in all this going on. 
So let's talk about that person at 2 a.m. that is just at the end of the rope, kind of what you described. They thought, they thought about it. And, and let's just back up. I'm not sure if everybody who's thought about it really wants to, to end it. They, they want the pain to stop. They want the voices to stop. Um, I had a nephew who at the time may have been 13, 14. He took pills and he told the doctors, I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted to get back at my father for whatever was going on. Um, and we know that's not normal behavior. And because of that, he got diagnosed, you know, with his uh, mental uh, disorder. But what what kind of resources are available at 2 a.m.? So there are tons. If you don't mind, Pat, I want to go back there. I started on this uh, in the previous segment. There's a difference in uh, having suicidal thoughts and then acting on them. It is actually, and we're not really comfortable saying this, it is actually normal for people to think about suicide, to think about, well, uh, what would the world be like without me? Would my life, would things be easier? As Joy mentioned again earlier, uh, it's easy to just go run and jump off the rooftop. And many people have that thought. It is the actual acting on those thoughts that is not normal and when you need to get help. Um, another distinction you just made, there is a serious difference between wanting to die and not wanting to live in the pain that you're in. I have never wanted to die. When I was going through my rough patch after losing Dominique, there was never a, a time that I said, I just want to die. When I prayed, I said, God, I need you to relieve me of this pain. I can't escape it. I'm praying, I'm crying, I'm thinking. Um, I went to grief therapy. I joined a national grief organization. I'm doing everything I know how to do and I can't escape this pain. And I re remember literally saying, if you can't end this for me, I have to because I can't do this another day. I can't keep doing it. So there's a difference in wanting to die and, you know, um, and needing to end that pain. Now, there are lots of resources available. Um, that person at two o'clock in the morning can text to 741-741. It is a national uh, text line where there is always somebody there. Um, who can help you regardless of who you are, where you are. There's always resources there. There's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline um, that I very much support. I, I need to throw in this caveat because I'm always a little nervous about this. Whenever we lose someone to suicide, especially when we lose somebody prominent, Kate Spade, Robin Williams, those kinds of people, we always, at the end of the news report, will put up, if you know someone um, who's in trouble, call this number. I call that a fail first model. M getting in touch with your mental health, understanding mental illness, that's suicide prevention too. I want to help you when you're on the ground floor. When Joy talked before about jumping off the 36th floor, I want to help you when you're in the lobby. I want to get, I want you to be comfortable raising your hand and saying, you know what? I'm having these thoughts. I'm depressed. I'm not, I'm not who I normally am. I want you to get help in the lobby. I don't want to wait until you reach the rooftop, took your shoes off, and you're standing on the edge ready to jump. It's too late. I can't throw that 800 number at you and say, stop. Mm -hmm. Call this number. They have answers for you. That's right. You lose that fight. Go ahead, Joy. 
Yeah, I'm just, I wanted to amplify, bro. That is just, that is the place where one crisis from crazy really is. It's that ground level. I'm not a, a clinician, a therapist. I am a lay mental and emotional wellness advocate. I want to get people comfortable talking when they are on that ground level, when when they when it's just too much. I need people, when you say 2 a.m., I talk about who is your four in the morning girlfriend. And again, I'm talking about ground level. I'm not talking about when you're on the 32nd floor. Girl, who is your four in the morning girlfriend? When you can't sleep, when you are, are arriving in emotional pain, when you are crying, when you are at the end of your rope, who can you call at four in the morning and they will answer the phone? And you can will help talk you down and get you to a place that maybe now you'll be even willing to go and talk to uh, to, to a therapist. And I tell people in, in rooms of a, a thousand people, if you don't have that four in the morning girlfriend, I'll be her until we get you that place, right? And someone who will st stop the press, excuse me, baby, hold on. Uh, uh, Sonia's calling. Give me a minute. Something must be up because it's four in the morning, right? And mm -hmm. so that is what I think the, the, the baseline is getting us comfortable just talking about mental and emotional wellness and dis-ease and distress. We got to get there before we can get somebody in to even see a, 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 a therapist or, or a psychiatrist in the first place. So I think that's an exceptional, exceptional point. And I wanted to also amplify Sonia Jackson Miles. You're, the thing about the numbers that I'm, I want you to know, I'm, I'm going to be borrowing that. If I need to send you a little royalty, let us know because <laughs> I'm using that because we caught up into that. The other again, what we look like on the outside, how we show up. That's right. And the, the stuff inside, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially, health is all of that. Pies F, I call them. Health is all of that. And we've got to get there. So we hadn't even, and we're growing short on this time too. So we got to do this again. We haven't even talked about alcohol and drugs. Which comes first? Does you made the comment, Kevin, that you thought maybe Dominique had experimented. I've read some, some, some done little research of my own and in that age group, especially with men, uh, that age group of 19 to 24 year olds and just smoking marijuana can acerbate that, that psychotic break or that mental disruptor, if you will. So what comes first, alcohol, drugs, then the mental illness, or is, is it, what is it? it yeah. Joyce chomping at the bit too. It doesn't matter. And you know, and I tell people in, in my work, um, I don't judge. Uh, I don't, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. There are, we self-medicate. There's something called ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, traumas that you may uh, face, whether you've been sexually abused, physically abused as a child, um, where, you, where your parents fighting all the time, where you're hungry, homeless. All of those things, those traumatic uh, experiences can lead to um, having a major effect on your physical health and your emotional health for the rest of your life. Those things can trigger. We all have what we call a mental health gene. The question becomes, what's your trigger? Sometimes it's drugs or alcohol. Like you said, you it, uh, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, those are chemical imbalances in your brain. So when young people want to smoke marijuana recreationally, you're introducing another chemical in your brain. That can trigger mental illness. But also, as I explained with my experience with Dominique, Dominique started self-medicating because he didn't, he, quite frankly, he didn't want his friends and family to know he was taking prescription medication. 
Um, he was embarrassed. That gets back to that whole stigma conversation. But when the voices started coming back in his head, he had to find something. And it was marijuana and alcohol. And his psychiatrist taught me, yes, the marijuana will make the voices go away, but they will return in greater frequency and greater intensity. And there'll come a time when the marijuana is not strong enough. Then he has to graduate to stronger drugs. Now we have somebody who we call dual diagnosis. He has a serious mental illness and he has a substance use problem now. We just made we just pour gasoline on the fire. Right. That's right. Okay, guys. Pat, I just want to because I've been talking. Oh my gosh, this is this is so important and so powerful. So when you see, and everyone is so excited that marijuana is being legalized in all these different places, this is making me like go, oh my God, because now more access is going to cause more issues. What do you all think about that? Because this is exactly what I've been talking about. It breaks my heart. I'll let somebody else talk. I, I, it's that simple. It breaks my heart. And, and you said it, more access, more issues. And, and that whole chicken and egg concept, the fact that we are known, especially in this country, we are known for self-medicating. Yes. And so you, it, it is just, it is, it is scary to think of what comes next. And that is why we have to continue to build ourselves up, build our young people up so that they can find the release, they can find the peace, yeah. uh, they can find the sanctity, whatever it is they need in ways that are safe. Yes. And it's being glamorized. And this is what gets me, you know, because, oh, if you're great, if the, the big celebrities are, you know, they have different, you know, um, products that they'll be selling and it's attached to this life. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, our, our work is already very challenging. And then, you know, now we have this on top of it. So I've really been talking about what are the what are the answers? What are the I call it? What are the disruptors to this so that we can make sure we get out ahead of it? So in 2021, the Sista Accord, the Sista Covenant, NAMI, um, Joy D. Calloway, we're going to go on the road with this because this is important conversation. I mean that. I mean that. So we're going to do a meeting on the meeting on the meeting. So I'm going to call your people and have your people put it on your calendars, because this is conversation we need to take to the masses, whether it's virtual or in person. This is a conversation that needs to be had, because I know today I'm going to get many, many, many calls from friends and to, from people who have heard you today that need help and know someone that need help. So I thank you for being a part of this conversation. I thank you all for the work that you do. And I love you all. Have love a good you so much. Thank, thank you, you so again. Much. Happy New Year. Thank you for having us. Have a good rest of your day. Happy New Year. Be blessed. You Absolutely. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.